Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your hosts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another week of breaches and cybersecurity talk here on the Security Squawk Podcast. Before we get into it, Randy, what do we charge for the show? So the show is actually free, but it's free, not um, it's free like free beer. Um, it's something both worthwhile and refreshing. So we charge, if you will, we ask that you would uh, leave comments, that you would like wherever you're watching this or, or hearing it. Be sure to like it. Be sure to share it. Share it with your friends, um, whatever, whatever it is. Help us get the word out. That's really our only uh, our only fee, if you will. Right. It Real quick, though, to you, right? I have to point something out. But you, you you kicked off this show with like your late night radio voice. I don't know if you noticed. That. <laughs> nice. Welcome to the yeah. Cybersecurity Squad podcast. Yeah. I am uh, closer to the mic these days. I moved it from behind my screen up front. We're gonna put out like an ASMR version of the the podcast, so I don't have to yell. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if we, if we make you think, if we uh, educate you in any way, enlighten you about cybersecurity and what you need to do to protect yourself as we talk about all the buffoonery that happens in the world uh, that causes us to have businesses like we do, um, share our show. That's all we ask. And uh, you can find us on all your major podcasting platforms, plus on social media. And uh, we'll get right into it today, guys. GoDaddy, right on the top of the list. GoDaddy, three years under attack. And uh, according to the register, the article that we have here, web hosting and domain name uh, GoDaddy has uh, disclosed a fresh attack on its infrastructure and concluded uh, that it is one of a series of linked incidents dating back to 2020. And uh, the business took the unusual step of detailing the attacks in its Form 10-K, the form, formal annual report listed entities are required to file in the U.S. Uh, <clears throat> the filing details a March 2020 attack that compromised the hosting login credentials of approximately 28,000 hosting customers to their hosting accounts as well as the login credentials of a small number of our personnel. And a uh, November 2021 breach of its hosted WordPress service. The latest attack came in December of 2022 when Boffins detected an unauthorized third party gained access to and installed malware on our cPanel hosting servers. The following states, the malware intermittently redirected random customers websites to malicious sites so is this all we have on this <clears throat> like is this all the information that they've kind of detailed yeah there was another article too that we were looking at that it, it's pretty much the same information so um the other article does give a little more detail as far as the number of people affected so the the breach in November 2021 affected 1.2 million managed WordPress customers. Um, so that's quite a bit. That was a compromised password attack. I guess my question is reading this, this just to me can seem like, you know, 
it's it's hosted WordPress, right? So anybody can sign up for that. And then what are the chances that the person who signed up for the service and created the account was actually, you know, using proper password hygiene and they weren't, you know, just brute forcing all these accounts. Um, I mean, like zero and a hundred, that's the chance. What? You said, what's the chance? And I said like zero and a hundred. Well, I mean, I don't think this is like a, a, a black eye on GoDaddy. I think, it, I mean, whether you want to blame them for taking a long time to detect it and realize that it was actually happening, but uh, I kind of think that GoDaddy's terms of service kind of put the onus on making sure that your account username and password is secure enough on, on the customer. Well, the filing is talking about an attack that they had in March of 2020 where where the login credentials were compromised. So so somebody did get in and pull them. Uh, and, for the 28 it says for 28,000 hosting customers and their hosting accounts uh, as well as the login credentials for a small number of internal GoDaddy personnel. And then the other article mentions a separate attack between mm -hmm. the two that are in this article from 2021 which affected all the that we that we mentioned the managed WordPress, and then there's a, a third attack um, happening in December 2022, where they actually installed malware on the cPanel server. So that's that's a big thing on GoDaddy right there that they were able to get in, get into their servers, and put malware on their servers. So I guess I'd like to take this conversation in a direction where we can help educate people, because obviously you know we have 28 thousand potentially affected individuals in in this data set here but i got to imagine there's probably hundreds of thousands if not millions of godaddy wordpress uh hosting customers out there randy uh i would assume that based on what i know about you and your business you have some insight on wordpress and maybe some ideas can you can you share with uh the audience some some things that these customers could do to um, monitor or detect on their WordPress instance the fact that these somebody is logging in. Like, what are some things people can do? I mean, some plugins they can install or yeah. Whatever? I mean, you definitely want to have multi-factor turned on to your login, and there are plugins like WordFence. Um, and some other similar type plugins that can search for, for, for viruses, for vulnerabilities. You can make sure vulnerabilities stay patched. But if it's infecting the cPanel, that's basically getting root of root, if you will, and most likely would never get detected by your word by your wordpress so here's what I know about GoDaddy's services. The WordPress service, it does not have a cPanel that's accessible by like customers. So their hosted WordPress service is they basically set you up with a WordPress site and they give you a login to the WordPress. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But so if the other, there was another incident where, where other hosting customers had their cPanel compromised. And so there's a third incident in December of 2022, last just a little over a month ago, where the bad actors were literally able to get in, the the, right. the criminals got in to the cPanel. Right. Um, I mean, where I'm just going with that is I know that maybe the user doesn't have access to that, but that could be above that. What I would do is do a Google search of your site, 
because what, what they were doing with a lot of these is basically putting like little sub shops on the back end, you know, like selling Louis Vuitton purses and Viagra and who knows what else do a search in Google um, for your website and bring up all the pages. You can do that in Google and just look and see if anything seems out of whack. I mean, if you're running a roofing company and you search Google, just type in site colon in the name of your URL and it brings up like handbags and purses, you know that you're a victim of this right now mm -hmm. as we speak. So we'll log into your WordPress and look for pages that may have been created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you may not see them. that part, but yeah, if you see something like that, for sure. Some of the things I think of are like, you know, if you don't do e-commerce, sometimes when you when you buy this stuff or when you install this stuff, it does things like put things like WooCommerce in place automatically. You don't need WooCommerce, use WooCommerce, sell e-commerce through your WordPress site, remove it. Um, disable the, the plugin and, and remove it. Um, I like the idea of WordFence, potentially using it, pay a paid version of WordFence where you can block logins from specific countries, definitely have two-factor enabled. Um, even if they do have your password, if you have, you know, like a two-factor set up Google Authenticator, um, they're not going to get in, right? So just some ideas, guys. Andre, Ryan, any any ideas what people can do to kind of take security in their own hands here? Because like as a business, there's not a lot you can do here. If they get hacked on the back end and information stolen, you know, that that uh, this yeah, could happen to anybody besides GoDaddy, right? Right. There's not much you can do about the back end getting hacked. I I, I think right. the 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 thing that a lot of people need to think about. Um, cause I, I've run across people who are trying to do stuff on the cheap and they're using WordPress and they're managing it themselves and they just don't understand that, that it's something that needs to be updated constantly. They, they think of it as a website, and they, you know, and their mindset is set it and forget it. They build it out and just let it sit there and never update it or change it. Um, you know, WordPress is an application that's, that's just living in the internet, right? So that needs to be updated to patch those vulnerabilities. So that's, that's a big thing, you know, just like anything else, make sure you have, <clears throat> adequate security with your credentials, password policies, MFA, just like, like Brian said, or Randy said. Yeah. Uh, one thing I have to add on this is the scary part is GoDaddy's still unsure of the root cause of this incident. So the vulnerability still exists. And yeah. and they, they, they are tying it in with those earlier events, which is kind of scary. So like, right. <laughs> did we and not, course, did we not course, do our job cleaning up the earlier events? Of course, they're labeling it sophisticated threat actor group. Mm -hmm. um, they installed malware on the systems and obtained pieces of code related to services within GoDaddy. So that's the scary part. Yeah. The other side note here, like, you know, it talks about the, that they took the unusual step of uh, detailing the attacks on their form 10 K. My question is maybe, maybe that should be a requirement of that form. You know, if you've had an, uh, an attack or a compromise or breach, you know, during, during the last year, that should be part of that form. You know, requiring that disclosure. Yeah, the other interesting thing for me around this, guys, is like, this makes my hair stand up along the lines of LastPass. Like, you know, if you're with GoDaddy, I mean, would you guys consider moving? I would. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I've dealt with GoDaddy on a couple other different levels in years past, and quite frankly, you're just a number. And... I mean, they've yeah. got more or less a reputation of it. It's it's one of the larger, easier ones. So it's, it's right. you know, consumer, small, do-it-yourself kind of driven. Mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think most people who are 
uh, you know, more tech savvy or using other services. I always told people if you know, GoDaddy, they're great until you have a problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. The, the other problem is, is like a lot of industries, uh, you know, there, there's like just these couple large conglomerates that own most of the hosting companies out there. So, you know, it's hard to tell. I mean, we're doing, I mean, just kind of not to, not to go off track here, but we're working with like three or four companies that are, you know, customers of Rackspace and mm -hmm. geez, like what that company is putting these yeah. small businesses through is just unbelievable. Like, yeah, it is. You know, they just sent everybody an email basically being like, you have till the end of this month, which is seven days away to get your data somewhere else because we're no longer keeping this temporary service, you know, that they've only had up since December, you know, just to recap with everyone, they got hit with ransomware in December. They decided not to pay it. They've only been able to recover about 85% of the data that was encrypted. Not everybody got all of their mailboxes and emails back. They put it into a temporary location so people could at least access it while forwarding their emails to email addresses that customers had to create to basically their POP3 service. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just told them, hey, we're not going to let you have that free service anymore. You, you got to move somewhere else um, by February 28th. So now everybody who waited and everybody who didn't do anything, you know, and just kind of was in a holding pattern until they were waiting for maybe some good news from Rackspace about getting back on their hosted exchange. That's not happening now. And now they've been forced. I would hope that they would extend it for customers that are struggling to move, but, mm -hmm. you know, they, they literally sent an email at the beginning of the month saying you have essentially, you know, less than 30 days to move. Mm -hmm. Not helping their customer service look. Right there. They're not going to be in. I told, I told the clients we're working with, I was like, they're, they're not, you got to get away from them as quick as possible because they're not going to be in business much longer. Like I know they have a bigger piece of their business is other services, but this is going to be a black eye for them for a long time. Yep. So Mouse Cow is, uh, I'm not surprised about this at all, guys, but Mouse Cow considers legalizing hacking, but only for the glory of Mother Russia. <laughs> um, Sounds like a bad movie, doesn't it? <laughs> so uh, the Russian government is working on changes to its criminal code that would legalize hacking in the Federation, providing it's being done in the service of Russian interests, of course. So that means we just all have to install the um russian keyboard on our computer and then they'll mm -hmm. leave us alone um so according to russian news service tass uh head of the state of the duma committee on information policy wants exemptions from liability given to hackers but aside from tossing the idea out to reporters he didn't have details to add i'm firmly convinced that it's necessary to use any resources to effectively fight the enemy whatever that means. I think that Russia needs to be able to respond to adequately, adequately to any threat. And who better to help than a well-established army of hackers? Interesting to me that this comes on the heels of the FBI taking down the Hive ransomware group. Mm -hmm. So what are you guys' thoughts here? What do you think is going on here? What do you, you know, legalizing citizens to just do the, the country's dirty work? I mean, first, I, I think there's been a pretty large suspicion that that they've uh, a lot of these groups have had the 
the blessing of the Russian government for a long time anyway. So I don't, I don't know if this is really just kind of, you know, taking that worst kept secret and making it public. Um, the question I would have though, is, is if, if this were to happen, you know, how does that affect cybersecurity insurance? Now, do these, do these groups now that were looked at as, as independent uh, cyber criminal groups now uh, become nation state hackers? And, and, you know, how does that affect uh, the, the ability to, to make a claim on your insurance? Because that's usually an exception. That's a great point. And I mean, and, you know, I listen to a lot of talking heads out there and a lot of people are talking, you know, beating the, 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 the war drum. Um, and you know, I don't know if we'll end up there or not, but that's something that businesses really need to think about when it comes to these cyber insurance policies, because, you know, when you're in that state in the world, you, you know, a lot of times there's, you know, language in your cyber insurance that says like none of this is valid if these things are happening like you know and unfortunately that's where uh that's where this is going to end up so um you know it's like hopefully we don't end up in more but i i just i don't know it's just a little crazy out there right now so yeah, it's like Russia's creating a career path for for, for this you know saying right. hey come and do this so that way you can help us because it is, everybody's against them now, right? So it's their way of just trying to get more people to do it and knowing that there's no repercussions on, on the state side. See, I, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll take it a step further with that country specifically. They're having a very hard time right now attracting people into the military to do these things under the military. Mm-hmm. So why not contract? Why not, you know, look, things happen in this country, right? If they if they're aware of a really good private hacker, um, and he's not working for the state in some way, shape, or form, they're going to show up at his door and make him work for mm-hmm. the state. I mean, that's just how it works over there. And this is this is just another step in that direction of where they're just going to be able to um, create a underground ecosystem of, of hacking talent. And, and the cream will rise and then they'll recruit those people whatever means possible. And it's plausible deniability too. You know, they, 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 they can, you know, be pulling the strings in the background, but then you know, publicly on the political stage say, Hey, we didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. hundred percent. So it'll be interesting. It's to see. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where this ends up. So um, speaking of U S law enforcement and, Russia, who, you know, um, recently brought down the Hive ransomware group and bragged about it uh, on on uh, all the news channels with uh, major press conferences. Same department, FBI, claims they've dealt with a cybersecurity incident that reportedly involved computer systems being used to investigate uh, CSE. Um, the FBI is aware of an incident and is working to gain additional information. So as I kind of said to you guys in the green room, I was aware of this. Um, I, I caught wind of it last week when it came out and yeah, it doesn't surprise me that like the, uh, crimes against children unit in New York computers got compromised in some way. My, my, uh, guess would be is that these investigators are using computers on these CD websites that these criminals go to do whatever they do on these websites 
and in the process of downloading something or clicking on something mm-hmm. to investigate, they ended up getting malware as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they usually, so it goes on in the article to say that these investigations usually involve digital evidence, cell phones, computers, external storage. So like any of that stuff, as much as they try to take precaution at, you know, you could plug a USB drive in and end up with malware, not because the the criminal, the guy who they're investigating knew that it was there. His, his device could have been, you know, hijacked in some way. Um, but the interesting thing is most likely an infected, the infected device was seized and collected. And then the FBI forensic computer, um, after evading malware scans, it, it infected it. Um, but it says these devices are segregated and these devices would never be processed on classified networks. So at least you got that from the FBI saying like, you know, we, we, we segregated this, but we, you know, in the course of our investigation and using a segregated network, um, you know, this happened to us, which they really didn't have to come out and tell anybody this. I'm not really sure why they did. Um, and then on top of that, you know, thank God they were using a segregated network. Or let's hope they are telling us they really were. Well, the (laughs) other part of the equation, though, too, is is you know was that that segregated network strictly for that that case that they were they were investigating, or was it all of the forensics that they were doing? Like, did this potentially paint evidence in other cases that they were working at the same time? Probably the latter. Mm -hmm. Probably, but that you know that's a great point. Um, You know, I don't. I get. I think you explained it well enough where most people would understand, but. Ryan's point is, is that prior investigations or other investigations could have potentially been impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so who knows if they've had like spin up a, a separate VM machine for every investigation or not. And if they weren't before, I bet you they are going forward. Mm-hmm. So. Hey, don't steal my ideas, FBI. Come <laughs> <hide them. laughs> I mean, that. I mean, that's literally a way that a criminal could use to infiltrate, you know, law enforcement. 100%. Drop infected evidence at a hey. crime site. I mean, you and, and really, that's a great point, Randy, because I don't think the average person who might be listening thinks about the different levels to which really good cyber criminals will go to infect <laughs> their their actual target, right? You know? it kind of takes a little bit of a mental genius to go, well, if I find some kind of child predator, I could put, you know, hijack his hard drives. And then when he gets taken down, I could potentially then infect the FBI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, so that's <laughs> obviously serious, but like to simplify it down for like a, you know, small business, like what, what is the lesson that I can learn here? Right. And, and that's, you know, something as simple as, you know, having a device that doesn't need to be connected to your corporate network don't connect it to your corporate network. Right. You could, you know, whether it's your your phone or, you know, a personal laptop that could have any number, number of things on it. You know, that's what guest networks are for. That's that, right. you to keep that kind of stuff segregated. I mean, from an IT perspective, you know, we have separate networks for, for lab computers. We're not connecting those to the same networks that we've got our production computers on because that's just dangerous. Yeah. And think like a hacker, right? And, and, you know, how would a hacker get to your business without, getting to your business, right? We're, you know, I guarantee you that most security awareness training today is not specifically calling out the fact that you could have a flash drive sent to your house, mm-hmm. right? Because we know people are working from home. 
sent to your house, dropped in your driveway, hoping that you'll plug that thing into your work computer so they can compromise it, right? Security awareness training is not covering this stuff right? it's you know, not, at, that, at that level. We, we mentioned that in a previous show. It's kind of a, a joke. Uh, my oldest son and I are, um, you know, we're both cybersecurity nerds, and it's a joke we have. Just get a flash flash drive with the malware and write on there, you know, vacation picks June 2023 yeah. for your eyes only. Then underline it like <laughs> drop it anywhere and somebody's going to open it. And people do that on a regular basis. I, I was just having a conversation this morning uh, in, a, in a networking group. Uh, promotional products guy was talking about um, how USB drives are one of the most popular products that they sell. And I just thought for a second mind. and said, please don't ever take one of those and plug it into your device. Yeah. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. Like, yeah. like somebody would go to a, like a, a, a show and take a flash drive and then actually use it. Like... <clears throat> There, I mean, that's my immediate response to like those promotional people when they yeah. like, like here, buy these flash drives. Number one, I think they're ridiculously expensive for, mm-hmm. you know, a mm-hmm. flash drive. Um, and number two, like I'm not going, if I go to a show and there's flash drives sitting out, there's 0.0 chance that I'm taking that. And, <laughs> and even if the vendor didn't, didn't uh, make them infected, if it's like a 25 cent flash drive from China, they don't, there's a chance that it just it might be reinfected. They might be, but they're still selling it to you for 20 bucks a flash drive. It's so, ridiculous for 256 megs of, <laughs> of space. You know, but there are even vendors in our in our industry. Yeah, there are security vendors, and they're passing them out. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah, I mean, literally, a a criminal could target if a criminal was targeting X Y Z company. Just get a booth at their convention and go pass out that convention that XYZ company goes from that they, that XYZ company goes to and just pass out free free drives. Right. People are going to plug them in right. and then boom, next thing you know, you just right. got into XYZ company. It's that easy. Right. We, we, we can use it as marketing and just drop them at a bunch of places and it pops up and says, you could have just gotten hacked. Call right. us. We can help. <laughs> right, but it had your logo on it, right? I thought yeah. it was safe. Sure, that would go well. All right. So we're going to go through a little rapid fire here. Um, KFI engineers. uh, Interesting. They were uh, attacked by a black Basta. One of our faves. KFI engineers out of Minnesota. And they reported that the victim, they ended up paying $300,000, half of what they originally demanded. Um, So just another example of a company that, is you know deal with ransomware this article came out um on uh today on february 21st um and essentially there uh was uh, a guy who was basically um shoulder surfed ransomware negotiations between whoever they hired to do the ransomware negotiations uh and uh the hackers and the interesting part about it was is that they where they started the company they hired started tracking wallets to see where the money went and stuff like that which is something that you know kind of become a little bit of a little bit of a niche in the incident response world where there's wallet tracking going on to see where the money goes and things like that um but uh you know just an interesting introspect into a ransomware attack where a lot of money was paid and then the company who paid it was now trying to track where all this money was going. 
Um, and it looks like um, the, the account as of February 6th uh, was at a standstill where no more additional money was moving. And that's kind of the name of the game with these guys. They, they move things when they, when they need to and have to, and they know they're being watched as, as this money moves across the blockchain. So, uh, and it was their second time. Oh, yeah. And then we have applied materials were hit with a, a cyber attack in the last week. Uh, I think it was the last week, right? And that is the second semiconductor uh, company to be hit. Um, the other one, what were they called? MK something? MKS, yeah. MKS. And they're going to blow through all that government funding they just got <laughs> paying off <laughs> ransoms. 100%. I mean, uh, that, that's gone. I mean, because you know, it's just gone. Because like the the amount of people that I see paying the ransom lately, I think that was a small subset of of schools and colleges that the FBI was helping. Uh, no, that because the 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 semiconductor industry just got a bunch of government grants to to spur production in the U.S. Oh, well, they need to spend that on securing their networks too, <laughs> yeah. not to not just salespeople. Wondering right. the correlation though. How, oh, hey, they just got an influx of money. Let's let's target the crap out of them. And then uh, real quickly, Lehigh uh, Valley Health uh, Network up uh, my way outside of Philadelphia um, detected unauthorized activity within our IT system that I believe actually started. Ooh, not a Donald wants to jump in on the podcast. Um, it, it was actually started from a doctor's office, which I found interesting that an attack that originated out of a doctor's office has uh, impacted the entire health network in some way, shape, or form. They're claiming did not impact operations too much. Um, the technology team at uh, Lehigh Valley Health Network identified the unauthorized activity, immediately launched an investigation, engaged a leading cybersecurity firm and experts, and notified law enforcement, and they're continuing to work with those groups to investigate the scope of the incident, and they continue to operate normally. So, I mean, this reminds me of something that we talked about a few weeks back, where you yeah. were talking about you know some somebody that you knew that said you know the doctor's offices were using a lot of BYOD devices. So, you know, the doctor uses his BYOD laptop at his practice and then brings it to the hospital with him and connects to the network. Yep. Andre, I know you got to drop. You want any, any any last words before we end the show? No, no, just have a good week and um, we'll see you yep. next week. Thank you guys. Yeah. So that's it for us, guys. That's it for the show. Hope you learned something. Share, share us out if you did, and we'll see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. See you next week. Bye bye.